All right, so we'll be looking at the 106th uh, surah, Quraysh. And so if Aisha, if you could uh, lead us in Fatiha, please. A'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajeem. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Maliki yawmiddin. Iyaka na'budu wa iyaka nasta'in. Ihdina sirat al-mustaqim. Sirat al-lazina an'amta alayhim. Okay. Thank you. So, so this is one of those uh, sessions where we'll see passages where I keep asking, did he really just say that? <laughs> so, and so let's begin with this surah and Omar can take us through the the uh, the verses and then the translation Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim Li'ilafi Quraysh ilafihim rihlatu shita'i was-sayf filiya'budu rabba hadha al-bayt alladhi at'amuhum min ju'in wa amanuhum min khawf Sadaqallahu al-Azim for the covenant of security and safeguard enjoyed by the Quraysh. The covenant covering journey by winter and summer. Let them adore the Lord of this house who provided them with food against hunger and with security against fear of danger. Thank you. Yes, yeah, so these, uh... This very another very short surah with uh, many many pages in the Futuhat, <laughs> and we'll look at we'll look at only two of the places that Ibn Arabi takes us here, and the first place that we go to is titled Ulfa, and so that's uh, based on the the beginning words of the first two verses, so Ilafa, and so Ilafa and this is from Alif, so A-L-I-F, Alif, the letter A, but the letter A, Alif, also means uh, these other words, being intimate, cleaving, and being familiar, reunion after separation, coming together in a covenant or an alliance. And so this word Alif and Ilaf, the, the description that Ibn Arabi uses for that is Ulfa, and ulfa is this coming together, this cleaving, this adhering to reunion, alliance, and these words. So we'll look at that one, and then we'll look at the one of the last ones, which, well, then the, and just to give you the preview that we won't actually look at, the second verse also has this winter and spring or summer, and that has to do with directions. So in the, ver in the chapter that Ibn Arabi writes, he looks at the directions of the substitutes, the abdal. And he looks at, then for the third verse, he this title brings him to Mecca, and he tells us what you see when you are at the house of the cherisher, the Rab Hadil Bayt. Okay. 
So, and as he always does to begin the chapter, he gives us a poem. And this poem is one which not only takes us through the entire chapter, it also might bring us insights that are not necessarily available in the chapter itself. I've asked Klaus to uh, read this for us. None enters here except the sight of being who is flush against the image of who. You will see at the moment one is seen a guest alighting to visit him in the enclosed place of who. The guest will recount stories about what has been learned, flowing there, flush against the coursing of who. The two selects you as a mirror for who. So this is why you increase in the flushing rushes of who. God prohibits you as a notification for you that this prohibition comes from the jealousy of who. At the moment he fences off what is his, absolutely made far beyond the confounding process of you. The one forbidden from the fruit eats. So there appears a step level of food concerning the private part of his. He saw, at the moment he saw her, that she was a banquet carried to his table from the protective near neighbors of who? Beautiful. The uh, the last two uh, stanzas here, or the verses here, that's about the move from the garden to this this world. And so, by the process of approaching the tree. Adam Eve are sent down to this world where they have their kingdom. And so this is, uh, Ibn Arabi says that when they were, they were told uh, by Satan to say, you should eat from this tree because God wants to give you eternal life if you eat from this tree and he's going to give you a kingdom to rule over. And so Adam and Eve uh, because they know that their cherisher is just someone to do that, they go ahead and they eat, approach the tree and eat. And then indeed what happens? They are given eternal life and they are given the kingdom of everything to, to rule over. So uh, this is how Ibn Arabi explains that this was actually a very beautiful opinion of their cherisher. And this flushing rushes of who is about the is about intoxication. So when you're selected as a mirror, you have this leaping uh, intoxication, and it's like a flush and a rush. And so, so this poem is very, very dense. It has beautiful uh, imagery all throughout. So, so we'll see how we'll be looking at this, what it means to be ulfa, this adhering to and, cl and cleaving to. Now here we go to the map, and so Ibn Arabi is helping us see the imagery of the, the 
surah, the enclosed area of the Quran, is a map. And we explore this map. And he tells us, if you go here at this verse, you'll find these things. If you go here at this other verse, you'll find these other things. And this one is just, uh, uh, just amazing. Um, we've been looking up from December. Uh, we've seen the, the light of Muhammad in pre-eternity. So this light of Muhammad in pre-eternity comes into the world in the messenger and prophet Muhammad in bodily form. And so we watch his ascension and in his ascension, he receives and, and learns all the things that he needs to know to be the bodily uh, light of Muhammad. And then we then see that Ibn Arabi says that following him, there's someone who also then conveys this message in a different mode. So the message of the light of Muhammad is pre-eternity into the eternity. And then Ibn Arabi says there's only four kinds of, of creatures. There is the messenger, the prophet, the friend, and the faithful. So the bodily uh, message of Muhammad is messenger and prophet. And then the friend is someone like Muhammad Ibn Arabi, who then conveys what this light of Muhammad gave to the bodily Muhammad, it's transmitted then through the friend mode, the awliyas, the walis, the peers, and that's the friend mode. And then there's the fourth mode, which we are, or most of us are, some of you are in the third mode, but the fourth mode for everyone else, this is the mode of conveying that same message and reaching to that same message. In the reaching to the same message, Ibn Arabi, writes about coming to this place in this surah and what you find. So he says, and learn that this alighting place, so that surah 106, when you enter it, you will meet and gather with a group of the messengers, the blessings of God be upon them. So this is how Muhammad Sallallahu when he went on a, the ascension, when he was taken on that ascension, he met with the messengers. And now Ibn Arabi is saying, we go to this alighting place and we meet with messengers. And it's all in the second person singular, which is just amazing. <laughs> you will gain benefit from their tasting, which is specific to them. So the tasting that the messengers and the prophets have, we cannot have that tasting directly because we're not messengers and prophets. But we will get benefit from their tasting and we will get knowings which we had not had. You will have a kashf, this disclosure, just as they have a tasting. For you, from them, a knowledge will be obtained of indications and signs and nothing will be hidden from you. There is nothing in the earth and nothing in the heaven when he shines radiantly here to you, except it will be distinguished and you will recognize it, while another will be ignorant of what was not obtained in this alighting place. So we are invited to this alighting place. When we reach there, we gather and meet with the prophets and messengers, and we gain benefit from the tastings that they have, which are inaccessible to us through kashf disclosure.
So the importance of this alighting place, here we see that. And it's going to be based on the title that he gives, Ulfa. What it means, Ulfa, this cleaving together. So the, what he'll say now with this cleaving together, let's look at it. Um, yeah, we'll get, let me slowly work through uh, this chapter on this idea of Ulfa, the title of Ulfa. So he says, there is no Ulfa, this union cleaving together, bringing together after separation of two, except when there is a correlation between them. So this one cannot meet with this one unless there's a correlation. Uh, so unless they have a relationship and they have to have a relationship or this one cannot meet with this one. So, uh, so this one has to be like, related to, correlated to this other one. So the alighting place of Ulfa is a combining correlation, bringing together the true and the creation. So there has to be something that links and correlates and relates the true to creation, or the two cannot meet. She is the image which the human being was created flush against. So in order to meet this creation, this creation is made an image flush against the true, so that the true and creation can meet. And others than the human being, um, so, and this is why no one in creation claims divinity but the human being. So because we're created on this image and we look divine, therefore we think sometimes or often that we are God because we look divine and we look divine so that there can be a relationship. And other than the human beings, the stones and the trees, they are claimed by us to be divine, but they do not themselves claim to be divine. So this is, that's why we think we're divine, because we're created in order to be able to be related to the one who's looking at us. And in all creation, there is no one who owns another except the human being. And only the human being owns. Yes, others, other species, do not own anything. He exalted says in confirming that yes, humanity does own things ownership for the human being or what your right hands possess. So this address is to uh, um, men, masculine, and then the feminine comes later in that surah, later in the surah for women owning others of their species. So men own people of their species, women own people of their species, or the ones their second hand, feminine, plural, right hands possess. Mamalakat aimanu hunna. So the ones that the women's hands possess, the ones that the men's hands possess, that tells us that human beings uh, think that they should own and have this idea of ownership of others of their species. And there is after all, no other side of being for whom slavery, slavehood is confirmed except the human being. So someone says, this side of being is the slave of this one. And this is why God made for humanity to free the slave and he made freeing slaves desirable. And he made the free slave a wala, that's a client, someone who inherits, when someone dies without an heir to inherit. So in order to create in the human being a relationship to haq, 
the human being is created flush against an image of Haq, of the divine, and so looks divine. And in order to create a relationship to the one who owns all, all of the possessions are God's, we are then also given a correlation of owning. And so we need to realize that we are created on the image of the divine, but we are not our self-divine. And we are created as owners, but because God is an owner, but we ourselves do not own. And therefore we are told to free the slaves. You're not God. Uh, don't worship yourself. Don't let others worship you. Don't you worship uh, others. And so that's, that's, the, that's the work with this correlation. There has to be a correlation so that the two can meet, but there's a way that we misunderstand this correlation and think that we're God. And so that's why we free the slave and we don't worship God in ourselves or in others. And then the third part of this is that there's no one else except the humanity who takes all of the divine names. So if the humanity can receive all of the divine names, it's very easy to think, oh, that looks like God because you've got all of these divine names. So that's another thing that we have to, we have to have the correlation, but we also have to use it the right way. And there is after all, no other side of being which accepts the being named by the entirety of the divine names, except the human beings. From he taught Adam the names, all of them. And one is commended to take on, so to dab yourself with the divine names. This is why Khilafa, that is the Khalifa, from behind whom Allah works, and the Niaba, where, Allah, where you stand in for Allah, are provided and being taught the names, all of them. Humanity is the last create, configuration created. So Sunday, to Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, humanity is created in the cosmos, gathering together all of the truths of the cosmos. And then God abridges the humanity, making the words few, but the meaning all there in this entirety of truth, humanity's kingdom, all of it, and humanity's images. So that, we're going to, I'll give some, the way to look at this also, if you're, if you're used to understanding transcendence and similarity and things like that, that's one way to begin to enter what Ibn Arabi is telling us here. He's saying that the, the true cannot, be, cannot meet with creation unless there is a similarity, a correlation. And so this correlation is to look divine in the image is to own, and then is to have all of the names, to be able to do everything that God does. And do all of these three things without ourselves thinking that we're God. So therefore, we're told, don't own, because while you look like an owner, that's God who's the owner. And don't worship yourself or another, because although you look like God, you are not God. And then don't say, hey, I'm God because I have all God's names, adjectives, uh, because you are not, even though you have these names. And so, you know, when we look at, you know, kids draw a picture of God or people draw a picture of God and, you know, some old man with the beard and all of that kind of thing, we think, oh, that's an anthropomorphism. 
But you really also have to look at it the other way and that when God draws us, it's a theomorphism. So when God draws us, he draws his likeness. So uh, it's not maybe so bad that when we draw God, we draw our likeness because that's what God does. <laughs> and we've looked at the, these, um, these verses, the Surah Ikhlas and other places in Quran, which are leading us to see that all is read twice. When you read the Surah Ikhlas, when you read that Surah, you read it once for God, you read it once for humanity. And the same way with you read it once for God and once for humanity. And the way Ibn Arabi goes, explains this to us, he says that about transcendence and similarity, if God were only transcendent, we would not recognize God. So if God were only transcendent, then we would not recognize. Because I, if I say, here I have a, a detector that detects light. And uh, if there is a light which isn't detected here, it's not a light. And so someone can say that, oh, this light that I'm trying to show you or this color is a transcendent color. And then I'll say, well, if it's transcendent, then I can't even recognize it. I can't even see it as a color. And then if God were only similar to us, then we wouldn't be able to recognize God. Because then I wouldn't know if you or you or you or you is God because we're all similar, so I wouldn't know who, which one is God. Therefore, God has to be transcendent and similar. So transcendent and similar, and similar and transcendent. So it has to look just like us, similar, but transcendent, meaning, but not that, not that, not that. And it has to be transcendent, not that, not that, not that, but similar so that I know that I'm looking at something that's transcendent. So that's how Ibn Arabi, uh, in a sense, in one, he does it in one sentence. In one sentence, he takes centuries of theology and just, here you go, one sentence to explain it. So this is the likeness. And, uh, and we have, we've looked at that before, I think. Yeah, let, let's go ahead and read it. So who is the likeness confirmed in the Quran? The likeness which has no likeness. In his word, there is not like his likeness anything. So the one way we read it, there's nothing like him. And the other way we read it is there is nothing like his likeness. And his likeness, if someone sketches a picture of me, I say, oh, that's a good likeness of me. And so when uh, we are sketched, then God says, that's a likeness of me. And so that's the theomorphism. Uh, and so this is how we read verses and surahs twice once for us, once for God. Okay, and if uh, Aisha could read that poem for us, we'll keep going from there. The neck of embrace of the Alif, utterly intimate, and the Lam, like two lovers floating through the years like a dream. The leg swirls around the leg which becomes mighty, and they came to me from the two wrapped, entwined the sign the pulsing heart as his meaning is in his embrace. There appears to him a bringing out to being and an annihilation. Yeah, so we looked at that poem we were looking at the Lama Leaf, which is the picture of Ulfa. 
the lama leaf, the L and the A, is the picture of Ulfa. So as the human being is in this vantage position of the three, looking like God in the mirror, um, owning like God owns all, and then uh, having all the names and adjectives that God has. So as the human being is in this vantage position, there is ulfa between humanity and its cherisher. So the two can meet because there is a cleaving uh, familiarity, intimacy, and love. Therefore, humanity loves who and who loves humanity. So this love is possible because there's a correlation between the two parties. This is why it is related that the heaven and the earth, meaning the higher and the lower, and what is in between is not vast enough for who, while the heart of the faithful slave of taqwa and temerity is vast enough. This is part of the quality of the human being, not part of the quality of the angel. It is only the human being who is distinguished from all by being a place of combination of high and low and a place of divine image which is created flush against his image. So learn this. So this is how the correlation occurs. And because there's a correlation, there's love can flow between the one and the other. And then this is the lama leaf, which entwines the legs one, one around the other. Okay. I burst in into the flames of love. I become drunk with the mystery of love. True dervish lovers circling the great Effendi banquet of love in the paradise of love. True dervish lovers circling the great Effendi banquet of love in the paradise of love. I am true, cries the wisest of the wise. My body is consumed in the radiance of love. The light of essence shining from the great Effendi merges me with the sultan of love. The light of of essence shining from the great Effendi merges me with the sultan of love. Lost in the shade beyond external form, I am commanding Wisdom of Solomon, station of Hazreti Ali flows through me from the circle of love. Wisdom of Solomon, station of Hazreti 
Gently flows through me from the circle of love. Okay. Thank you. So this this is the uh, alighting place. And we, when we go there, when Ibn Arabi went there one time, someone who came forth in this blessed alighting place, and we can go there too, is Abu Sayyid al-Kharaz, who died in 890, whereas Ibn Arabi was born in 1165. So this tells us that people passing away is not an obstacle to meeting them and learning from them. He was among the first generations. I heard this from him when I came upon him here myself and there accrued to me what he had acquired. And this is the one that Ibn Arabi teaches us throughout the Futuhat. How do you recognize the true? Abu Sayyid was asked, how do you recognize the true? By the bringing together of opposites. Then he recited, and who is the first, the last, the outward, the inward? And so we've looked at that uh, circle of the, the loop, which is a all one surface. And so it its opposites are all inside its, its oneness. So if I start on one part and I say, this is the outward, then as I move along at some point, I realize I'm now inward. And then I continue and I'm now outward, inward and outward in the same surface because there's only one surface in this strip. And the first and the last, if I say, this is the first, let me go look for the last. When I get back to the first, there's the last. So I put a mark on the circle, say, this is the first. And I keep, and I say, now I'm looking for the last. Where's the last, where's the last, where's the last? Oh, here's the last, the first is the last. And so this is the single entity. And the, and the single entity, uh, has in it this bringing together of opposites. If you look at these glass spheres, there's a, yeah, there's a yeah. surface on the outside and then there's an inside. So this glass sphere has an inside. And if I... Uh, okay. Um, and so this, this glass sphere has an outward and has an inward. So if I break the glass sphere into pieces, I say, okay, now I can find the inside. And I pick up the first piece. Oops, the first piece has an outside and an inside. So I say, well, let me break that one. Break that one. Oh, here's the outside, here's the inside. No, here's a piece which has the outside and the inside. And so in that way, we come from one breath, one soul, and we and one soul and each of us contains that one soul and each of us is one in holding together the opposites so you you can't put all the outward people over here and all the inward people over here you can't put all of the uh, red ones over here and the blue ones over there because we all contain the same because we all come from the one so that's uh, uh, the teaching that Ibn Arabi received from him who had passed away uh, centuries before and we go to that alighting place and we then 
look to meet Abu Sayyid as well. Now remember from last week, we had all of these letters that join with the Aleph. And these letters join with the Aleph and you can't tell what's the letter and what's the Aleph. And, they, and so Ibn Arabi says there also are special people who look exactly the same as all of these letters. They cannot be distinguished. Yet one of them is acting from God. One of them is a Khalifa, and then one of them is not. And they look exactly the same. So you can't, because the shape is the same, you can't tell which is which. And uh, from my notes, let me make sure we have all of this. So Khalifa, and we looked at that as the one who acts from behind you. And so we have, and Kamal is perfectly complete. So late in the, in the Futuhat, Ibn Arabi asked, is asked directly, how can I know if I am perfectly complete? And it's such a beautifully bold question. And Ibn Arabi says, bless you for asking that one, because everyone else would have said, how dare you think that you're something special? <laughs> so he says, bless you for saying that, asking that question. He says, you'll know that you're perfectly complete. And then he gives some examples. And then he asks, and if you want to know if you're a Khalifa, that is a caliph or someone from behind whom God acts, then Ibn Arabi says, you'll know that if when you do something, something else happens. So if you push something left, it goes right. And if you push something right, it goes left. And then if you push something, nothing happens. And then if you do nothing, it moves. So if that's happening to you, then you are a Khalifa. Then you are one behind whom God is acting. And what's interesting, what we've been saying the last few weeks, is that you won't know which person is doing that because they will look exactly like everyone else. This hand will be God's hand or my hand, and it will look exactly the same, whether it's my hand or God's hand. So, and the Aleph is not distinguished from the Lam in order to strengthen the Ulfa. So the true and the creation are not distinguished so as to make more Ulfa, more connection, more love and intimacy. So the hand that's mine and the hand that's God are made to be so undistinguishable, indistinguishable, so that there can be this intimacy and cleaving of the divine to humanity. Now, remember, we started in the mist, and then that's when desire arises, and the desire is to see and be recognized. And that desire is to loving someone who's not there yet. So loving someone who's not there yet. And uh, the first one who then is, is this first constraint, the first constraint of the divine image. And that first constraint is the first teacher. And the first teaching of this teacher is la ilaha illallah. There is no God but God. So the first constraint and first teaching is the utterance la ilaha illallah. And then Muhammad is, his, is the messenger of God.
So it is the same way with the human being. When the true is your hearing and your sight, just as is related in the report, there is a linkage of you and your faculties to the true. And it's the linkage of the lam to the aleph, to the l to the a. This is why in the letters of testimony of oneness, in the phrasing, when you speak them, the lam, which is you, comes first. La ilaha illallah. You say it first. So that means that the first constraint, the light of Muhammad, the pen, says first, la ilaha illallah. So negated by the letter, la malif, of ulfa, this cleaving together, is the divinity of every god the ignorant affirms, the one who associates divinity others besides God, but not you, because you've just said from the first teaching, la ilaha illallah. Thus, this shirk is negated by the letter, which embraces the slave and the Lord. Thus, the first statement is from us. We declare that there is no God. Now, as God testifies for himself as being one, he testifies one based on himself and two based on his slave to this effect. So he brings the letter Lamalif. And so we look at the Lamalif in the corner here. Based on this leg, there is no God but God. Based on this other leg, there is no God but God. So it comes from you and from the true. Which one said is saying that at this moment is not distinguishable. Okay. Now, towards the end of this chapter, when he starts listing things, because things are getting very long and complicated, Ibn Arabi starts making a list of all the things that you see. So it's like uh, he takes the map and then he says, you'll see this pond, you'll see this mountain, you'll see this river. And then he says, and you'll see that, 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 that. He keeps listing. So, and from this alighting place, one knows what the reason is for the passion which is produced in the passionate lover. And we'll, to give you the hint, it is, I am a treasure concealed. So when Huck is a treasure that's concealed, um, that is the reason that there is love. And to make someone to love requires a correlation between the two. So Allah makes the correlation between the two as closely as possible, as divinely possible, and it is completely indistinguishable by us. So that's how close it is. And then we'll learn in this alighting place what the linkage is between the passionate lover and the one loved passionately, such that he becomes entangled in him in specific ways apart from another. So this is the question, why you love this, why the one who loves loves this beloved? You know, He's uh, why this person is my beloved and what specific ways have I become entangled in that one? So that entanglement with the one that you love, Ibn Arabi cites one of the places, three women have my reins in their hands. So that is reins are one. And so there's, he is in, this person is entwined in one thing which three people have the reins, can grab that rein and pull him. And why he sees his beloved's entity to be the most beautiful compared to ones who are actually more beautiful than his beloved. So why do you think that your beloved is the most beautiful when there are actually some who are more, more beautiful than your beloved? But this is from the, the poem, such a beauty, beautiful to every eye is the one you love. 
meaning, according to the lover, anyone who sees your beloved must find him beautiful in their opinion, just as he is beautiful in your opinion. So, so this is a bit of the tyranny of the lover, that everyone he meets, he said, if you don't think my beloved is the most beautiful, then there's something wrong with you, and I'm not going to talk to you anymore. So you should see how my beloved is so beautiful, just the way I see my beautiful, that he is so beautiful. Okay, then, and one learns, okay, then, and then also Ibn Abi then says this one too, and one learns why love on the part of the human being for the girl or the boy is where one is lost in them and comes to this position which we cited. And this is uh, his poem, I am the one loving, I am the one beloved, I am my darling boy, I am my running girl. And Ibn Abi is showing us the divine love and nature-based love. So divine love is loving what's not there and what does, and because it's not there, it can't do anything for you. So when Allah loves humanity, which hasn't been created yet, humanity can do nothing for Allah. There's nothing that can be, can, humanity can do. Can't feed the God, can't worship the God, can't do anything uh, because it's not even there yet. And yet Allah loves this humanity. So this is the mother loving the child before it's born. And that's divine love. Because, and then once the child comes out, then eventually the child then has nature love for the mother because the child says, you're the one who gives me everything. And so therefore I love you. And that's one kind of love, nature-based love. And then the child might later on have divine love. And that's where you love the mother without whether she is doing things for you or not. And so, uh, and then the mother's love, which is divine before the child's born, and then is divine for a while, may turn into nature-based love. You may at some point, I, if I say, I'm so proud of my son, then it, this is in the, Ibn Arabi says in the Arab way, is to say that this, the child, my child who succeeds and is successful gives me something. So I feel, oh, my child did that. I'm someone great now. So the boy and girl, unlike the child or other people, um, don't give me anything, can't give you anything in your nature. So that's, therefore, it's divine love. And so, um, so this is how Ibn Arabi helps us see these things that and so we are told that both kinds of love are, 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 are you know, affirmed by revelation. So the, the first nature-based love is that the Prophet said, love God for what he nourishes you with. So because God nourishes me like the mother, then I love the mother in a nature-based love. But there's also that God loves, a, God will bring out a people. He will love them and they will love him. So God's love comes first. And so this is divine love. So when you have a, a child that's not born, your love is divine because the child has not had any chance to give your nature anything you know, good or makes you happy and loving, but you still love, that's divine love. Okay. And now we have this Ilahi from Baki. What is occurring in this lover's heart? Merging the flame of passionate love, 
before I start to take others' of questions. <laughs> um, you quoted early on, how do you recognize the true by bringing together the opposites? Is that why opposites attract in human love? <laughs> yeah, I, I think there's something there because the, the I, divine love is very much about opposites. And so the more that we are, see, we have to be completely like God and we have to be completely unlike God. And the more we can push those apart, the more love there is, the, the better it gets. And so um, if and so the if God is, you know, is like is like me, but just better, which is sort of way that the kind of conventional way to look at it is, then that's that's not really the power of love. The powerful love is that that God looks completely like me and it's completely not me. And so that, and as far as part as those can be, as opposite as those can be, that's what we want to see. And then, of course, when we look at the other, we see ourselves. And so we want to see in the other what we can't see in ourselves. And so we can't see what's too close to us, so we bring it to the other, and then we can now finally see it. Thank you. Um, so first question. So the alpha is the first constraint? I haven't looked at it that way. Yeah, the, the first constraint is the is the akal al awal, the first intellect or the first constraint. Um, it's the the yeah, putting them together at the ulfa. That's that is the first image that we have. Is that and the first image is the one leg says there is no God but God, and the other leg says there is no God but God, and Muhammad is the Rasulullah, you know, and so that, that is the, the process of ulfa. So it's the first ulfa then. <laughs> Beautiful. Good way of looking at it. Um, which chapter is it? Uh, so chapter... Um, 106, you said earlier? No, well, it's, it's Surah 106, but the chapter in, yeah. in Futuhat is... Let me see if I can... Oh. I'll have, to, I'll have to find something here. Just a second. Um, 275. 275. And I think it's 
book 22, 21 or 22, way out there. <laughs> Regarding a lighting place in the context of Kash, am I on track intending to see in ordinary souls like us as those revelatory moments mostly fleeting, but we are awestruck when we are unable to see a facet of the integrated truth? Yes, yeah, so that's, I mean, this is what's so powerful about what Ibn Arabi is teaching us here is that he's talking about you and me, and he's talking second person, you know, singular. He's talking to us, and he's saying that here, messengers, prophets, friends, and the faithful, and that's all there is. So we're, we're most of us in this last category, and that is a category which has perfect access to the same places where the messengers and the prophets and the friends go. And so the so messenger and prophets are, are going to this alighting place. We go there and we meet them. And then here's Abu Sayyid al-Kharaz, one of the friends. We go there and we meet him. And so this is that the, this teaching, this conveyance of this message is coming then through all four types of of human beings, of all four types of people. And so we go there and I can't have the tasting of a messenger because there are no more messengers, but I can have a kash, a disclosure of what that tasting is. And so all is open then to us. And then he says that when you get there, all in the heavens and the earth will be visible to you and you'll see it all and you'll distinguish all. So it's absolutely, Powerful, powerful. And I guess he probably waited until, you know, 20 books later to be able to say, he's talking to you. And when you say, am I one of these perfectly complete human beings? And he says, well, let's have a look. Do you do something and nothing happens? Do you not do something and something happens? Then you are. <laughs> So I think this was just a very clear passages for us all. We don't have any questions, which is okay. <laughs> but any, you know, do do give us feedback too, and uh, and your experiences about these kind of places. Can I make a comment then? Um, something just come uh, come through to me when you were talking about the correlations and the three points of us being similar in terms of owning and. Um, worshipping and all of those things I, I found a bit of a connection or what occurred to me is Surah Al-Fatiha when you know it's like we think we own something but then the Fatiha reminds us that he is the Malik and then if we think that you know we could be worshipped or there's this worship element in us then he reminds us that we, we worship him alone and only him and then to be guided so that we can't make ourselves gods with Swarji if you want, because we're asking to be guided and therefore we can't be gods. So I don't know, I think the Fatih has like a useful way of grounding and connecting with the correlation, but being reminded that we aren't the one. Yeah, yeah, beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, and then the Fatih, I forgot to mention that that's one of the twos. You know, you the verses that you read twice, once this way, once that way. And then the surah, ikhlas, that you read twice, once this way, once that way. And the fatiha is a twice folded. It's so it's Allah says, you say this, Allah says this, you say that, Allah says that. And so that twice folded nature is, is what the fatiha is. And that, and that twice folded is saying, 
is uh, just as you said that it's you are this and you're not that and but you you so that and the beauty of that, you have to see both of those completely. You can't say, I, you that, see, in a sense, the conventional way of looking at all of this, uh, you know, and, and I think in conventional uh, way, way that many people look at in religions, Muslims especially, or also, uh, is that we think that God is like me, but better. And see, that's, that's a problem, it's a super problem, because I have to say God is exactly like me with whatever imperfections I have, and God is not at all like me. But if I say God is you know, better than me, and the transcendent is a little bit less transcendent, then, then I, that's, that doesn't get us anywhere. And that's, that's a real disaster. So we have to say that God is exactly me and exactly not me. And so, and, that, and that's how we, we, the correlation, in order to have love, we have to be correlated and we have to have to be able to see each other. And to see each other, then we have to be something that brings that affinity and that we have to then be indistinguishable from each other. And the way to be indistinguishable from each other is saying that here is the divine image which owns and which uh, has all the names, but that entity, me, doesn't think that I'm God or that I own, or that I have all the, all the names. Yeah. Well, uh, Aisha I, seems I, to uh, turned on the fossil. We've got some more questions now. Yeah. Can um, I just say uh, one verbally? Actually, I, I wanted to say um, uh, because it relates it relates to this. Just to clarify, when when we say that that God is exactly like me and He is exactly not like me, like uh, the like and the not like, the He not He. Uh, looking at it at a different level, isn't this the combining of the Allah and the who together? Mm. So recognizing that Allah and who are the same, one which is the whole, all encompassing names, which includes all the forms, all the attributes, everything, one which is nothing is like him, the absolute who, no form, no whatsoever, and putting it together, so seeing the same reality on the divine realm right you know they like me and not like me up there is the allah and the who mm -hmm. right right yeah and that's why so that that who is allah so anna that god testifies and his angels that who is allah anna who allah la ilaha illa who and so that's then, as you say, the combining. So you take the who and the Allah, and they combine as who is the Allah? Who is there is no God but who? Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, so a question about the relationship between a lighting place, map, surah, and musical scales. And are musical scales also infinite bounded spaces? Uh -huh. Okay. Um, so the so when you go to a place, well, that's that's the um, that sound sound uh, can come through without mediation, and so that and so that sound just comes without can be processed by the the hearing instead of by the brain, whereas words. Uh, have the have the intermediary and then and so they are processed and they're they're in they are intermediate instead of immediate um, and so these alighting places are places a map 
which you could map out sounds and songs and symphonies and all of those, you can map them out as these are a certain scale or these are a certain, the way, the way that all of the, the information will come to be processed. And so the, and so the scale, the maqam is the, is the skeleton or the template into which uh, all sorts of different sounds will come, but they will have these different locations on the musical scale, just the way these places have different locations in the map, which is the surah. So yeah, the, so it's something to really extend the imagery and the sound all the, all the way through. And this is, uh, Ibn Arabi explains with the, the word Allahu. So Allahu, when it's uh, written, when you write Allahu, you just write Allah and there's an H at the end with no U. So there's just Allah in writing. But in sound, you say Allahu. So the who is, is accessible through sound, but inaccessible through sight or through writing. And so this is how uh, another way that Ibn Arabi leads us to uh, see what vision and, and sound, how they are different. And it's shown through the writing itself. Writing that Allah, Allah who, that the who is invisible in the writing, visible as it were in the sound. Uh, from what I'm getting of who, it's the divine breath, which is the source of the ongoing creation. Am I on the right track? Then again, Akberi Yanli speaking, who also at times sounds like the image he made who unseen and seen. Yeah. So, so who is the breath? Yes. And so it comes from here and it's invisible. It comes out and it's visible, but it's no longer the same invisible who. So because now it's been processed, modulated through the mouth. So the who that comes out is at once who because it came from there and it is who and it is the breath. On the other hand, it isn't who because now it's been modulated and it's not the same as it was when it is in here. So it is and it isn't. So that's, that, that's the imagery that you can take all the way with you. So then who, this breath that comes out is at once first and it's the last, and it's the outward, and it's the inward. So the who is is moving through constantly. That's what that's the play. That's that's the play that is happening in the in the creation. Is the who is coming out, and the same way the who then is the nafs, is the breath then, and the soul. And the soul is all was created from a single soul, and then all of the ones, all of us, are coming from the single soul. But do you see that because you can't break a sphere to get to the inside, because the thing that you break is now has an outside and an inside, the same way we are all coming from a one entity, and we are one entity. Uh, I'm piggybacking on what you just said, uh -huh. uh, it does uh, come to me that it's more of a process. Uh, the who is more of the process. Yeah. It's the process. It's, uh, it's not the fixed point, or it's coming from the fixed point. Of course, Allah, the mm -hmm. one. Right. But it's referring to the process. 
Right, right. And that's why Barbie is forever shaking us so that we don't sit in one place because everything is moving. It's all a process, as you say, it's dynamic. And so there's no fixed thing. So you don't say this fixed thing is that fixed thing. It's moving at all times. And so the, the very process of writing is creating all of these things. And then what's written has a as a verbal or as an oral, you know, hearing dimension, and it has a seeing dimension, um, but it's always moving. It's never fixed, um, and so that's why Ibn Arabi keeps telling us the only place to stay for three days, or three breaths, is confusion or I don't know, <laughs> and that's the place to stay for three days. Everything else is, is is he's trying to move us away from fixing, and and so process is the word. Yeah, and so I'm trying to even do things. To, to make English sound more process oriented, I guess you say becoming instead of to be. So, uh, so kun fayakun is not, it's just be and it is, but really it's be and it becomes. And, it, and so it's becoming. And then right before it is, it dies and then becomes again. <laughs> so so it's, it's, it never is solid. And that's Ibn Arabi saying that no thing is for two moments. There's nothing that stays fixed for two moments. It go, it becomes in the first moment, then it's gone. And then the second moment it becomes, and before it is, it's gone. And then it becomes, and before it is, it's gone. And so, so that's how it works. Can you give us a list of the suras we recite in twos? Uh, all of them can be recited in twos. Think about the, uh, Alif Lam Mim, think about Hamim, think the golden letters. Um, the, the Surah Ikhlas is, is recited twice, once for uh, the one behind all of the divine names and the one who was taught all of the divine names. Uh, Fatiha is twofold, is a, is a twice, twice seven, so that each of the seven verses has us speaking and then Allah responding like that. Um, and then the Lesa Kamithlisheyan is read twice because the, the particle Ka is either intensive, there is really nothing like him, or it's a relative pronoun. The one which is like him, there is nothing like him. So, um, and then if you, so yeah, that, but that, we can do that. Ibn Arabi will take, in a sense, all of these, all of these words and sentences, the Basmala and others, and read it twice and read it one way, one way, and then another way, another time. Um, like at the end of the Basmala, Rahim. So Rahim, who is Rahim? Is it Allah? Is it Muhammad Sallallahu Is it both? So once this way, once this way. So that's, yeah, that's just the whole, the whole story of Quran is that you read twice. Yeah. The guest will recount stories about what has been learned. Can you say more about how and where and in what forms these stories are recounted? Yeah, so these, uh, these stories will be recounted in your own language, just the same way that when Allah says that the night belongs to me. So when I come to you at night, um, I will tell you what the Quran is saying in your own language. I will tell you what I meant by this verse. And then for Ibn Arabi in this particular description of Abu Sayyid, he said he met him and, and Abu Sayyid taught him this teaching that I recognize the true by the, the confluence and the bringing together of the opposites. Um, Ibn Arabi's perhaps main teacher was the one who passed away before he could meet him, Abu Madian. So Abu Madian uh, was someone that he met and he, he, 
he, much of what he was taught was taught by Abu Madian in this other world when he went to these alighting places. Such questions always takes me to the poet Robert Browning referring to music as the closest creation to the divine process of creating. Yeah, and just, just a few days ago, I was looking at uh, one of my favorite movies from way back, Koyanis Gatsi, which is the Godfrey Reggio. Uh, he, did the, he did the three movies and then Visitors. And in that one, he has, um, it just went out of my head, the composer. Uh, but, and the composer was saying that, that and, and the director, Godfrey Reggio was saying that what I want to do with these visual movies is to have you have it have a visceral effect on you to reach you directly, not be processed by the brain and the intellect. And he said, and then the sound, Philip Glass, thank you, Martha, <laughs> Philip Glass. So Philip Glass was saying, and that's the beauty of music sound, it comes straight to you and it does what it's supposed to do without you putting a barrier there and interpreting it. So you don't listen metaphorically, you just, you get it. And that's, and Rabbi says, the vision and sight, they only combine in this other world. They do not combine here. So when we read the Ilahi and sing it at the same time, that's when we jump into this other world into this other alighting place. And because we are, the brain is taking metaphorically the words, which are its, its, you know, its realm is those things which I can take metaphorically. And the body is taking the sound and learning through the bodily ways. And so, so this is how we combine that by reading and singing. Um, so that, yeah, it, it, and I, so I encourage you to keep going, looking at all of that and Philip Glass. Yeah, and so he, of course, he has so much wonderful things to say about the philosophy of sound. Beautiful. Okay. Um, will this dream of the definition of God make sense and help understanding him? A voice in the lucid dream told me that God is the highest level of awareness and consciousness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this highest level of awareness and consciousness, that's that's beautiful, but it's what it's saying is that when, if I understand partially what's happening, that's a partial understanding. If I understand fully, completely, that what I am seeing is divine, is the divine, then that's where I want to be, where I can see exactly, I see this hand and I see that God moved this hand. When I see someone who God is acting from behind, and I see there's God acting from behind. That's where I want to be. And I don't want to be, oh, that's a pious person doing a nice thing. That's, that's very incomplete and, and partial. You had made the observation that in these alliances of the suras, Ibn Arabi moves away from the language-based interpretation. How do you see the connection between the descriptions of the manzil in the surah and the words of the surah? For example, in the verse, um, La, yeah, ilah, thank you, the ilah. voyage of the winter and the voyage of the summer. Yeah. yeah, what's so beautiful is that, and remember I told you, I when I first came into these these places, I kept saying, so how am I going to translate, you know, write down what Ibn Arabi is doing in these chapters, in the 114 chapters? And I said, you know, why isn't he doing a close analysis of the surah? 
which you take a word, you parse it, you say what its grammar is, what its multiple meanings are, what its history is, the Asbaba Nasul, what brought it down, the reasons, all of these things. And he does none of that. He does that in elsewhere in the Futah, but not here. Here he says, here's an alighting place. You hear this verse and by God's grace, you go to that place and you don't go through parsing or through brain or through intellect. You go some other way, you go the other way. And this is the way that transcends language. It goes, and so the, when, it, when you come back from it, you speak about it in your language because, you, because you have, you're taking the meaning and putting it into your language. And so it doesn't go language meaning language, it goes no language meaning back to language. And so this is, this is why you, you would you not necessarily, if you're reading simply the text, you won't know which of these chapters is which of the surahs of the Quran, because he's not saying, you know, this, this, that. He is saying this verse is enclosing an area if you go to that area, you will see the verse being revealed the same way that it was revealed to the Prophet And so when you see that, that's the special face in every being, which is facing and confronting the divine, the first place. In some tarikas, the ikhlas is recited three times. Is it up to the grand sheikh of the lineage to decide to add one more? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know about all of that. I mean, sort of the, the one of the answers to the three is that the three that there that throughout the Quran there there are parts of Quran which, when recited, make up a certain portion of the entire Quran. And so when you recite this one ten times or this one three times, it's the equivalent of reciting the entire Quran. Um, and then that that's all part of the 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 art or the guidance of knowing what to do when you are preparing yourself with the Quran and that all of the Quran will be, uh, is in the Basmala and the Bismillah rahman rahim and all of that is in the Ba and all of that is the Nukta. And so when you see this, you begin to see these are all dimensional facets that are showing the whole in something that is the down all the way down to the dot of the ba. And again, the dot of the ba has not very much, I would think, linguistic sense. You can't take the ba, which is a pixel on the page or a single sound bite and start breaking it down and saying, I want to see where the rest of the Bismillah is in. And the Bismillah, I'm gonna break it down to see where the Quran is in it. What we're hearing then is that it's a access point that takes us to that place. And so it's not, you can't get here, you can't get there from here. You have to move out outside of the of, of language, move out of intellect, and then you have to be transported from here to there. Um, just to comment that Philip Glass is the composer that yeah, I guess you were before. before. Yeah. <laughs> um, Many indigenous languages to not have a to be or not to be verb. Everything is becoming, shifting and changing. Alhamdulillah, 
Eric Shuabe. Thank you for including this in these translations. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, year, years ago I started. I, I, you know, I'm always fascinated by language, so I, I was beginning to look at this whole idea of of ises and 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 how language deals with all of that. And Arabic itself has has really has no is, and so. Mm -hmm. So what, what you do when you see you put something up here, you put another noun next to it, and there's, a, there's an is that links the two. And so there, there isn't any formal is. And so noun, noun, and there actually is them, there is itself. And so, um, and then, then the idea of, of, of process versus reification. So we, uh, you know, English has to be, you know, the poets have to do things with English because you might say that typically the English becomes a business language, which they call pidgin language or business language. And so this business language is kind of bottom line. And especially uh, in, in, in the US, you know, bottom line is what you keep hearing. Just give me the bottom line. <laughs> and so it's like, here's a reified box. And that's what we're talking about. And uh, language has to break through that and say, uh, it's, it's not going to be that. You're, and, in semantics, we say, you know, Cal one is not Cal two, and we learn the word is not the thing. And so those are ways that help us understand that how language works. And of course, that's what the poets, you know, play with all the time to find a way to give us meaning, which doesn't get hijacked by the intellect. Beautiful. Good. Okay. Yeah, so, so Philip Glass, there you go. So that, because I'd never really remembered him saying that before, but that the sound goes directly and that it doesn't get, doesn't go through all of this, uh, these filters. And, uh, and in a sense, that's why that beautiful uh, passage when Ibn Arabi is, is saying what God tells us is that when I made the day for you, do your stuff during the day, <laughs> but I made the night for me, so when I come to see you and you're fast asleep, what lover doesn't wait up for the beloved to come visit? And so, and then God says, and put away your recitation of the Quran, meaning that if you're reading the Quran and you're hearing about all these wonderful people and you're saying, oh, these wonderful people are so great. And you're hearing about all these horrible people and you say, oh, these horrible people are so bad. And you're hearing about the garden, it's so nice, it's so nice. And the fire, it's so bad, it's so bad, it's so hot or so cold. Then Ibn Arabi said that God says, you're not listening to me. You're doing your own thing. You're going to the garden. You're going to the fire. You're checking out how beautiful these people are, and you're seeing how bad these people are. You're you're not you're missing me. So he says, put down the Quran and let me recite the Quran to you directly. <laughs> so that's where we want to be. So, alhamdulillah. So thank you. So good to see you all.